This is Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast, a podcast about, you guessed it, nonprofit fundraising. This isn't the first podcast about it, but definitely not like any others you've listened to. This is a podcast for fundraisers, by fundraisers. No boring charts or the same stale best practices you've heard for years. No ideas that only work in theory here. No concepts from people who aren't in the same trenches as you are every single day. Each week, you'll get practical strategies and tips to craft messages that engage donors and raise more money. This isn't smoke and mirrors. Everything has been pressure tested in the real world. Plus, you can start using them as soon as the episode ends. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Thomas and Steve Thomas. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. The Michael Jordan episode. The Michael Jordan. This is the last dance. (laughs) This is the last dance right here. It's actually titled, How You Should Be Using your data. Mm-hmm. Data is important, fun, um, and can be boring if you don't, <laughs> if you don't know any better. So we structure it where you know where you not only know better, but we have a special guest. A which, special guest, our first guest, our first guest. Yeah, pretty excited. But we'll get to that when it's time. Stand by. Yeah, stand by. Stand by. I'm your host, Ryan Thomas. Vice President at Winnicity. And I'm Steve Thomas, CEO and one of the founding partners of Winnicity. We started this podcast because uh, you know that this work doesn't stay at the office. It is here and it is eight to five. It is five to then eight. It's 24 (laughs) hours a day. It's seven days a week. It's all the time. And we were talking fundraising and living that life in places where we really shouldn't be talking fundraising and people were getting bored and uh, we didn't quite lose friends over it, but maybe. And we realized we should just start a podcast to record these conversations. Yeah, lose friends on the internet. Yeah, yeah, it's easier to lose friends on the internet I don't have (laughs) than it is to lose friends I do have and I don't get invited to people's uh, barbecues and hangouts anymore. So... You get to join us here, and uh, you can't really uninvite us because we're not really in person. Wanicity is small boutique ad agency, and we are focused on marketing and fundraising for nonprofits. That's what gets us out of bed, and we've been around for well more than a decade, and a lot of our team measures our time in the business in, in decades, plural, and uh, we have an awesome team that keeps us on track, especially at this time of year, heading into fourth quarter. If you have any questions or comments, uh, we prefer awesome comments, but we will take constructive criticism as long as it's actually yeah. constructive. The therapy is working. We're all right. Yeah, we're it's getting there. Good. And uh, send all that to podcast.winnicity.com and give us your five-star reviews, four-star or three and a half. Yeah. Fine. Um Give that to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcast. Just hit the number of stars and give us a review. We'd love to know what you think. Yep. So our first segment is always something that we've seen in the wild. It's mail call. This is fundraising we've run into or marketing we've run into that we want to relate to our audience. So I'll let you go first. Okay. 
Uh, one of the things that, that happened uh, last week uh, was uh, uh, we brought in a couple of our team and because uh, they they're they're in the Pacific Northwest and oh, flew them in for a second. I I was I was like I thought this week was our first guest one episode. guest yeah They're sorry audience and, behind and, us and and and, um, and so uh, as as uh, we're in Texas currently we we wanted to work face to face for a while and so they came in and um, that was so much fun because it is exactly like <laughs> in many ways like this podcast of. Uh, a bunch of people working around the table and moving off in ones and twos and then coming back and gathering. And one of the things that came out of that was a um, a piece of mail mm-hmm. that somebody yeah. had received and uh, wanted to just throw that into kind of the conversation that we were doing on some planning. And it's interesting. This is, um, you, you know, if you're on video, you probably can recognize this is a credit card offer from somebody, it doesn't matter who. Um but uh, one of our team was talking about the feel of the paper because mm-hmm. it has yeah. a it it has a different feel than anything else that's going to be in your mailbox that day. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the differences between um, uh, paper perceptions, how you know certainly color impacts and and what's written on it. But there there's a, a tactile. There is a, a sensory input that comes with paper. And this paper probably feels more expensive than you want to send to just all your donors. But to some donors, it's going to feel like uh, what they want to feel. It's going to feel special. Yeah. So uh, so not only is this the, the, in the wild, I just want to say the lesson here is consider what the paper feels like. And if you're an organization that needs to, to really appear thrifty, and uh, uh, someone who didn't spend much money on what they're doing for fundraising, that's part of maybe your ethos or mm-hmm. part of what you believe your donors believe, that you don't want to use paper like this, but you may want to use a paper that looks really good but has a, a, has a more, let's call it textured Yeah, feel a different, I th- the feel I think is important and, and less what that feel is yeah. and more that it feels yeah. different than the other yeah. bills and other things they're getting. So just don't ignore that as you're considering uh, uh, an impact, consider what the the paper will actually feel like in your donor's hand. It's not just what goes on the OE. It's yeah. what is in the OE. Yeah. All right. So mine's also OE related as okay. I dig down. Oh, and you brought your homework. Finally. Two, two, uh, two I also I kind of have to hide it because okay. um, yeah. it's a client. Yeah. But uh, this is a, an OE with lots of information on the front and the back, and uh, it's for a Thanksgiving impact. And it you know it says that there's a Thanksgiving placemat on the uh, inside. There are meal tickets as well. It's got a facsimile. You know, it's a rescue mission client. Correct. Go ahead and say that. Yeah. And on the back, um, it talks about the things. You know, the things we need, the things the client needs and talks about the meal, how much the meal costs and when you got to send it back and that, you know, we're not going to be able to serve the meals without it. Basically, the point is a donor gets everything they absolutely need just from looking at the envelope. And now not everything we would put into it, but the bare minimums, the scaffolding mm-hmm. is present on the outer envelope. And that's important. For lots of reasons. One of them is that if you think about a donor or somebody making a mail decision, usually it's over a trash can. Yeah. As, as you get your mail, 
you're coming in from the mailbox. I usually come in through my garage, so I pass a trash can. And if I've gotten through sorting, I can toss everything in before I get into the house. If your messaging isn't just who you are on the outside and actually gets into your message about this impact and your ask and, and the rest of your scaffolding, you're able to make a case even as they're throwing it away. And that may not get them to stop throwing it away and give a gift. But if if you're doing that in a series, that touch point might have a little lasting impact than if they just throw it away. So maybe the impact in two weeks or two months tips them over the edge to give a gift. All right. I love that because that fits into a couple of podcasts back. We talked about that, uh, the service the UPS does where they, they show you in an email what's coming the, yeah, in your mail, the, the, picture. the, the advanced delivery stuff. And, and so they get a picture of it there. You talked a couple of weeks ago uh, on the podcast about the need for multiple repetition of the call to action. Mm-hmm. And so before they open that envelope, they've had their first call to action from, from the organization. And so it, it, I love that strategy. It's beautiful to watch that work. It doesn't work just for rescue mission type clients. Mm-hmm. It, you can play uh, that game with a variety of pieces and they all have a different you know, look and feel and you have opportunities. Yeah. And the way, if you're interested in trying it, you're, it and it doesn't apply as I would, after you've written your appeal, write your scaffolding out and then start by just putting your scaffolding sentences on mm-hmm. there and flesh it out into more copy language and then you'll have what you need. Yeah. And you may, you may be in a situation where, oh, well, our branding guidelines don't allow us to do things like that. Yeah. So get, you know, if you can't get over that, again, there are still ways to go about that. Uh, if nothing else, you can kick them to a, a landing page, mm-hmm. particularly if you have a, a URL or, a, or a, um, a, a way to direct them in an easy-to-remember um, uh, phrase that they can, just, they can go. Yeah, let me look uh, at what, that, okay. what, that, see what yeah. that is. All right. Good. Okay. Next is something you should be doing if you're not already. You should try this right now, except wait till the episode's over. Yeah. So not really right now. Yeah. So what's yours? What's your try first? Um, so um, I, uh, as happens, I read something. It, it sent me down the path because I, I thought, I've always heard that, but I didn't know if it was true. So um, uh, there, there's a... Um, we've discussed uh, spending more time on teasers and headlines and subject lines. And I ran across an article where someone was talking about the 80-20 headline rule where 80% of the people will read your headline, only 20% of the people will read your, your body copy or read, read the rest of the piece. And I was like, I don't know if that's a real rule or not. I mean, you can almost it's, it's almost safe to do 80-20 with anything. Yeah. But there's like four 80-20 rules, yeah, I so, think. Yeah. Well, and only 80% of those rules are true. Anyway. Yeah, the other um, 20%. <laughs> so turns out David Ogilvie, which is, um, he's one of the pioneers in the good old days of advertising. Um, had the OG, a, you might say. Yeah, he is the OG. He, he says... Uh, on average, five times as many people read the headline as read the body copy. When you've written your headline, you've spent 80 cents of your dollar. And that's, uh, again, he doesn't actually cite any sources. It, he's just, he's, he's a big enough guy in those days. He's he, his own source. He can just say it. He's, he's his own source. And I'll just be like him and say, that's true. Uh, so 
Uh, what I would like you to try to do is as you go into, because you probably aren't tracking time and you aren't paying attention to that, but as you're, if, you're, if you're writing or if you're someone who's reviewing someone else's writing, first let's do the right. If you're writing, every subject line, make sure you have five options. Just, yeah. just, just do five subject lines. Every time you get to a headline, make sure you've thought of five headlines. Every time you do, if you do uh, teasers on your on your envelopes that you mail or anything like that, make sure you got five of those. That will help you begin to think about where you should put your energy and effort and where the most magic is. Because if if your headline's bad, they never make it to the body copy. But if your mm-hmm. body copy is not exactly sparkling, if your headline sparkles, you can still get them into the body yep. copy. So. Right now, don't worry about how much time you spend or how many dollars you spend on it. Just make sure you've got four, five options for each thing you a do. Handful, and then least. notice how the third or fourth one will often be the one that has the most energy. Yeah, it's crazy. So try that. Um, you might say the headline does 80% of the work. Yeah, I like that. If you were just big, a big enough source, you could just I could, just, yeah, I could decide myself. Ryan Thomas says, "I'm not that big." Um, mine is, you should audit your photos, and you know, in your yeah, okay, just using the a word can okay. can fun. bring can yeah. bring some people. Yeah, I get a little twitch, um, and not necessarily your photo library. Uh, don't go through those because every fo- almost every photo you have in your library or bank or whatever will work in the right setting. Right. But almost do a separate review or a separate look when you're reviewing emails or you know, whatever this fundraising piece is. Go back through and look at the photos after you look at the words. The photos that, you're using. Yeah, the photo you're using. Because you can have unintentionally, oh, yeah. if you're just looking at the flow. Mm-hmm. You can end up like that photo's not horrible. Your brain says, I remember that photo, I know that guy, and you go through it all works. Mm-hmm. But if you don't go through and look at just let's look at just the photo on this pass, you could easily end up with a photo that doesn't match your topic. And if you are asking for meals, you're asking for sloths, you could end up with a photo of someone who either isn't eating is doing something else or another animal instead of a sloth or a sloth that's playing on something. It was an anteater slipped. Yeah. And so just go back through and make sure you, you have a photo that matches what you're talking about and no donor will say I was going to give to that, but that photo didn't really make sense. So I didn't, but subtly in the back of their brain, it's not really the back, but in the part of their brain where they're making decisions and thinking fast, that will cause a little bit of dissonance and that will guide them Turns to into the a path bad, you don't want to go. A bad speed bump kind yep. of thing. Yeah. And that happens when you have been talking about need and then you got a big smiley picture or vice versa. Yep. You, you get that dissonance and it's just enough to make a donor go, hmm. hmm and I'm not and even they don't you. know. Yeah. It's it's yeah. that that guy up there who's working the levers. He's like, I don't and know. Their that brain. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a good, that's good. Ogilvy turned out a bunch of that kind of stuff yeah. out there. That's good. Okay. Awesome. Cool. So next, we're, we're going to magically transport into a three-person setup, and we're going to be joined by a special guest. Who's our special guest? Well, they'll have to find out in like okay. 30 seconds. Okay. So we're going to transition to that, and then we're going to talk data, a ton of data. And, and it's, it's less boring than you think it's going to be. It's, it's, I'll even go so far as to say it's actually fun. Yeah. 
I had a good time. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to hop into that and then we're going to hop out. It's data time. This is our first pre-recorded segment and we're talking data. There's no data pun that goes with a pre-recorded segment, but we'd find it if there was one. <laughs> we're here with Chris Hoots, president, founder of Onicity, and Employee leading number uno. number one, which had a startup. You know, yeah. if Google was going to acquire us, that would be a huge deal because the payout would be massive. It, Google, uh, you know how to find me. Yeah, because we're on YouTube. Yeah. Literally, yeah. you know how to find us. Yeah, we're right there. And you're a huge part of the company. You're, you're not only in charge of leading data strategy, you lead client strategy, you lead client, uh, you have relationships with clients, you do massive things, but data is one of your expertises. But the main reason you're not on every week is because you're a little more on the rails than wow. this podcast ever really is. Button down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only time we're buttoned down is if we're wearing Oxford shirts. Which we haven't done yet. No, we haven't done In that. In fact, you're the dressiest guest we've ever had on our show. I'm the By only far. guest you've ever had. <laughs> well, okay. That's a well, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not funny if you say it that way. Yeah. Okay. So data's your thing, even to the point where you have a famous or infamous um, presentation out on the internet from 2010, yeah. which... Not the earliest days of the internet, but the internet's still early days. And it's titled, I Heart Data. So let's just start with the basics. What is data? All right. I think yeah. I can handle that. I, th- I, I hope no, so. <laughs> we're, 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 we're throwing low balls. <laughs> just wait till we start taking listener calls. Oh, dear. Um, so data, not just numbers. It's... Um, facts and statistics and other information and it helps uh, nonprofits tell stories it's uh, it builds relationships i love that you uh, and i know this is not what i'm supposed to be saying but i love that you equate data with storytelling it is that's beautiful it's the truth yeah hashtag it's the truth truth. hashtag truth um so it's it's uh, the kinds of things that uh, comprise data are, are things like um, names and addresses, but it's also statistics like largest gift ever given or total ever given or average um, or the first time you ever gave a gift. So I can have a... A data point, which is a dollar amount, but my data is also what that data point means. So my $25 that I give, Mm -hmm. that's a data point, but you can also find ways to make that $25 tell a story if it's my first gift or if it's my most recent gift. Sure. That's absolutely correct. You could use it to um, inform your strategies using things like um, uh, let's see, you, you said it's a data point and yes, it's a data point. And it, in that, that each transaction represents, um, 
an ability to take action. Oh, okay. And, and it represents the don a donor decision. Correct. And a, and a donor's involvement with the organization in some way that the dollars become can become the focus, but it's the donor behavior. Sure, it, it's going to tell us their motivation. It does not tell us their philanthropic intent, okay. which is something for you for another time. Okay, all right. But is that it, in another column? <laughs> 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 but it does... It, it, can reveal what motivated them to give the gift. And it also tells how they want you to spend the money. How how, okay. You were, I know what question you were getting ready to ask. I was getting ready to ask the same How one. does that tell us how, what motivated me? to? All you know is that I gave you $25 on Thursday. Well, sure. But, but maybe I went online in response to your e-newsletter. And I clicked <sighs> the Give Now button. And, and so something about that e-newsletter caused me to give a gift. Or maybe I received a letter from the president of your nonprofit, and I'm asking for urgent funds for, say, a hurricane that yeah. just, just happened. Just through New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and so I have an opportunity to engage with that ask from the president, and so my motivation is, is to help people who are affected by a hurricane and then I want you to spend the money helping people who are affected by a hurricane. So because you know I gave a $25 gift on Thursday, either a dedicated page or a few ways, but we can reasonably infer that that was because of the hurricane letter or message. Mm -hmm. So that tells you I am passionate about the dis disaster recovery or disaster relief mm -hmm. arm of your organization. So now not only do you know my level of giving, but you know something more about me and could maybe use that in later messaging to target me. Oh, sure. The next time there's a hurricane, then I could send you a letter saying I, uh, as someone who has responded in situations like this before, uh, would you consider making an urgent gift uh, in response to this? request or something That's, like that copywriting not my thing yeah well, data my thing well we're recording so we could just take that and transcribe it and, <laughs> and, and, if you need a disaster if you need a hurricane recovery appeal we got it ready right so why do you so you, i guess first i should say is the title of your presentation true from 2010 it says you heart data do you actually heart data or is it just something no one else in the company can do and you get stuck with it and on the podcast we've agreed we might exaggerate but we never lie <laughs> oops <laughs> i heart data i love data because i find humans confusing and data makes sense present company excluded many well i don't know about that many humans are confusing uh, but many humans find data confusing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because most humans are gray. They're on the continuum. Okay, that is, was that an old comment? <laughs> I mean, I know, I, I know one person on the podcast who is. So what do you mean by people are gray? Yeah. Well, they're not black and white. And, and the data that I and how they think. engage with, is black and white. It's it's. I always say it's colorblind. And some smarty pants out there is going to say that. Well, wow. my database can read color and all of that. But 
the data that I'm engaging with is colorblind. It's either a one or a zero, an on or an off, a yes or a no, a true or a false. And humans are a bunch of maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that kind of gets both of us. In that <laughs> yeah, a big bunch of maybe. It's so, a little too close to film. <laughs> so that, that's why I love it. All right, so if you love it, uh, obviously, as much as we enjoy our three-person podcast complete audience all right here, uh, or at least our, our theoretically intended audience or nonprofit executives and fundraisers and, 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 and the range of people that appears are listening to the podcast or everyone from very small startup kinds of organizations up to maybe, if we're inferring correctly, some, some larger organizations. So why should that group of people, these leaders and fundraisers, why, because I know you're a, you're a data evangelist. Why should they love data too? Because they want to do more of what works and less of what doesn't. So Agreed. Okay. They, so in, from the, the small to the large nonprofit, uh, they want to uh, take action on things that were successful or learn from things that weren't successful and, and uh, refine and adjust strategies around what the data says. And so what kinds of, of, of evaluative um Information, could you, huh? I don't know if that's a word. It is a, a value Is that a word? It's a word. Two out of three. I got voted off. Anyway, um, uh, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, so what kinds, of, what kinds of, of, of evaluations could you make from data to, be, to help? And maybe, because this is what you do all day long. So maybe it's, maybe it's even something you're, that, that you've recently been involved with or you're getting ready to do. What, what kinds of, of evaluations can you help an executive or a fundraiser make strictly out of data? Well, um, if I am fundraising for sloths, I hear we do a lot of that. We're, the sloths on, are just on the podcast. And great. We do. So I'm fundraising for sloths and I send out my year end letter hmm. and I get a million dollars. Everybody loves this law. Because <laughs> the consequences were clearly stated. That's right. And, and there was a deadline. I also know that it cost me $900,000 to get that million dollars. It's very expensive. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know we do a great job for the sloth. Apparently we're doing, we're using the best paper. <laughs> no, we mailed the whole country. Okay. Right. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> a little carpet bombing kind of thing going a blitz, on there. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. A postal All right. blitz. No. Um. Seriously. So we 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 would be able to capture both income and expenses and evaluate how uh, what the ROI is the the profit, mm -hmm. if you will, yeah. on a mailing. If we don't capture both of those numbers accurately then we might just have this million dollar piece and decide we're doing well based on. Yeah. So you end up with this big gross number mm -hmm. and then you, you get your net coming out of that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it was a, on your thing is a significantly smaller number, mm -hmm. but talk about how you can uh, filter that granularly. Cause I know, I know. Well, sure. We, we can look at that whole million dollars and find out that, that most of it came from two large gifts oh. or something. Okay. And so if we toss out the large gifts, then we find out that we're really upside down. Okay. 
Um, that Meaning it, it did. It actually did really, really poorly, and we paid money. Right. And we didn't realize how badly we did until... <laughs> it turns until out it's maybe late. slots aren't such oh, a great offer. No, slots are <laughs> awesome. great. We, we just didn't raise for the right enclosure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, so, that's really interesting because that's a quote-unquote real-life example of an appeal. I, I, did a, I did the sloth appeal. We got a million dollars in. We know we spent 900000 It was from two big gifts, a lot of it. What are some other things we could look at to say, okay, at the end of the year, we've got to keep talking sloths. Could we, what, what could we do differently from a data perspective, like less people, more people, different people? Sure. Well, maybe, maybe we didn't mail enough, which is... Holy cow, you're spending money like crazy already. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we went to people who don't know us ah. and maybe we didn't mail enough people who do know us. And what's that called? The database. A mistake. No, no. I mean, like it, you're segmenting, right? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And I'm using and 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 so by mailing to people who don't know about us, I didn't create a compelling enough offer. I hope you've gone over offer. We talked a little bit about a that. little um, bit. We're um, waiting. We're waiting to get you back in to do an offer. An uh, offer yeah. Tune up. Uh, and so th- it wasn't tangible enough it wasn't accessible enough uh, for people who didn't know about us but we got those big gifts from people who did know us so we need to find more of those people in the data that we have right where would you look for them in the database well, but I mean, like, uh, open, the, open up the server. Yeah, it's like, look inside. It's a bunch of wires. Hello, hello. <laughs> well, what kinds of things do you look? Uh, so that it does that that gets it back into patterns of history and giving. And well, that. sure. Uh, I've seen it multiple times. Where at a year-end piece in particular, people get some ideas that we want to suppress or exclude people who have recently made gifts Um, those people aren't in this room at the moment these are other people who would suppress and not correct not us no 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 no. but no this is i've seen it over the years i've encountered it Mm -hmm. in other nonprofits uh situations where there's some idea to um well somebody like uh, some a leader might get it in their mind's eye that there's there's too much mail yeah and so they decide on behalf of their database, there's too much mail. And so they, they choose to mail less and instead go to people who don't know them. Like in your previous example. Exactly. Messed up. Yeah. So, so that's about, okay. I think that's, that's about it. Okay. Until we do a deeper dive. Yeah. Cause sad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my head's not quite swimming, but pretty close. And this is your entry level. So I know I'm not, I haven't, it's stuck a lot of fun. Entry level. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. All right. So uh, one of the commitments is to that we're going to do practical kinds of things. So let's assume we've got two groups listening, a big bucket of smaller organizations and some of bigger organizations. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's a recommendation you have for a smaller organization, uh, and again, because I'm not the ones and zero, I'm the gray guy. Define small however you want to, but just kind of the smaller end of the scale. What what data well, recommendations from your experience and what you see would you make for them? I, I both recommendations for both small and large start with the same thing. Okay, don't great. don't get suckered in by the fancy 
fancy sales presentation. Of who's selling? That's a dot, okay. dot, dot. Okay. For small organizations, it's the fancy sales presentation of uh, a donor database. Ah. It's um, be true to the system you have, which might even be Microsoft Excel uh, or some other spreadsheet yeah. software, and and keep your data there as pure and clean as you can. And instead of getting uh, suckered into the big fancy, I won't won't name nope. names. Nope. Yep. Um, uh, fancy salesman showing you all the things that uh, another, my app my look at what do. it can do yeah yeah ABC database yeah. could do yeah and and uh, apologies if there's an ABC database out there they're probably somewhere but they're on they're on their own <laughs> um, I've I have seen that happen more than once yeah. where a nonprofit invests tens of thousands of dollars that they really didn't have to spend on a fancy database when they could have done just as well with a database uh, that's either in a spreadsheet or a very simple database because keeping it simple for small organizations is uh, a very valuable uh, effort. Because you you, you got to be able to execute, right? You have to be able to use it. Yeah. And you nine times out of 10 get sold something that you can use just a tiny percentage of. Yeah. So that's with small with, with big same, don't get suckered into the fancy presentation, but this time it is, Hey, here's a fancy database where you can store your volunteer information. And here's a fancy oh. database where you can store your email addresses. And what happens is you end up with siloed data. Yeah. Uh, so what does siloed data mean? There you go. It means For that people like me, that it, it means that I have, um, uh, um, one main database, which is the names and addresses and gift information that we donation information we talked about. And then we have, uh, um, in a separate database that doesn't communicate to the other one, we have volunteer information or we have email information and they're not, they're not communicated. They're in silos. Think farm. Think mm -hmm. silos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're big in the we're big in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, and and um, uh, we believe really strongly that the more integrated your data can be, that you have one instance of a donor and all the information about a donor, one instance of a volunteer and all the information about a volunteer, all in the same database because then you can use all the communication strategies across audiences, in other words, donors, volunteers, people who donate goods, uh, people who are interested in being on your newsletter, your prayer team, mm -hmm. a variety of, of audiences. And then there are, of course, within those things like major donors or Ooh. monthly donors. And, and so having having everybody in one main database instead of um, separated out is really important. If you, as a large organization, have to separate out, then having some sort of a key or a, a call back to the main database mm -hmm. where there's regular syncing up of data. So they, they're siloed still, but they talk. But they communicate. Okay, so I, you and I share work on a client. One of the clients we work on together mm -hmm. um, 
has their primary database. Mm -hmm. And then because they really liked the way another database worked with their volunteers, they did that. And those two databases were supposed to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. But what happened? So the salesman said. (laughs) Well, now they're they're undoing that. They're they're moving the volunteer information back into the main database because they were recognizing that they have... They have people who are uh, in the database who have multiple roles. I'm a donor and a volunteer, and I donate goods to your thrift store. And if I have a thrift store database and a volunteer database and a regular database for donations, and I want to talk to somebody like I know who they are, well, then I better have all that data about them in one place. Yeah. And, and that sync in theory, worked great. In practice, it left unsubscribes on the table. It, it didn't keep up with bounces. And then I'm not talking to somebody like I know who mm-hmm. they are. Exactly. And, and maybe even worse, you are talking to them like you know them, but you actually don't. <laughs> but you're wrong. <laughs> you're telling somebody who has never volunteered for you, thank you for volunteering with us, and then that's clear you don't really pay attention to me. And mm-hmm. That's a bad interaction. Right. Or I'm trying to recruit volunteers for a large event and I am talking to the donor database without knowing who the volunteers are right. in that donor database. So yeah, lot, we, there are a lot of words in data that are a lot of terms. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming into this business and learning that it took a year to learn all of the various terms and seasons and and the rhythms of a, a yeah, of, yeah, yeah. A, of a nonprofit. And so if there are terms here that we're saying that don't make sense, well, let's ask. Yeah. Yeah. Email podcast at onecity.com. Attention hoots. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just, I'll see that it's got data in it. And I'll just forward it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I really appreciate you being willing to step in and, and appear on the podcast because I know this is not your favorite thing to do. No. No. Okay. And so what we're going to do is make sure this is a good experience. We have parting gifts for okay. you. Yeah. In the green room. Yeah. And uh, all those things is you're coming back to talk about structuring at least an offer, structuring an offer and audiences. Mm-hmm. I think we need to deal, deal with that. Okay. Are you game to do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Well, we got it on tape. So now yeah. you can't back out. And our vast audience yeah. well they'll be let down they'll be said okay seriously thank yeah. you for joining and if you're listening we're gonna do a an awkward and bad segue in it's a separate not, recording awesome. in, into whatever's next I'm, I'm doing a good one you do what you want to do but i'm doing a good i don't even segue. know i don't even know what's next okay so it doesn't great. matter uh on your radar probably it should be on my radar but it's not <laughs> thank right. you thank you so she um, seemed to mostly have a good time. She, yeah, she mostly had a good time. Yeah. And I don't have a, I didn't, in all that time of it playing, I didn't have a, a good segue. So my, my promise on an awkward segue back into what we're doing. Yeah, you did that. Good. It's paid De- off. Delivered. That was excellent. We're big on uh, backing up what we say we're going to do. Yeah. So last is on your radar. And this is something that started, you and I just passed things back and forth. And hey, you don't have to read this right now, but it ought to be on your radar. Sometimes it's fundraising related. Sometimes it's cars that go fast and it just becomes a part of your life. Um, I made you go first on everything else. Yeah. Go first on this. Oh, man. 
I'm, I'm just leading the way. Yeah, you are. So um, I'm really blessed uh, that in, in the con- current configuration that we live in, I have an office that is also my gym. Okay. okay. And so the office where I do a lot of the work that doesn't involve anybody else uh, is a, is actually a tiny corner of the, of the gym that I enjoy working out in. And so one of the so things 80% that, gym, 20% yeah, 80% office. Gym, 20% okay. office. <laughs> and there'd be those who would say the productivity that, is about the same. That joke works about 80% <laughs> it does, of the time. About it. Yeah. You're still there. So, um, one of the things I, w- I have started watching on the treadmill, uh, is a Netflix show. Uh, no, I beg your pardon. An Amazon show. Uh, uh, called Iron Cowboy. Ooh, I've got that in my watch list. I haven't, okay. I haven't watched it. Yet. I'm not going to tell you how it ends, okay. but but I do want to talk about it. So a guy named James Lawrence back in 2015 decided he was going to do 50 Ironman, Ironman races, which is a bike swim run in 50 states in 50 days. And so, you know, it's quite an endeavor. And, and part of the goal was to do it, but it was also to raise money. Mm. Okay. okay. I, did, I actually didn't, I yeah. didn't know that. So, a um, 50-day story short, it was really grueling, very tough. Right in the middle of it, he is in such bad shape. He's taking some IVs. They're just really, again, the, he's saying it's only fluids. His feet were so beat up and he was in such bad shape physically that his coach recommended he do, there was a hurricane came through and so they ended up being inside trying to complete the, the road race and the, 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 the running part and the bicycle part. Wow. Yeah. So they go into a gym and then his coach says, your feet are so beat up, why don't you do the road race part, road race part, the, the running part on an elliptical? Well... Two things started happening. All of the die-hard Ironman oh, yeah. um, fundamentalists uh, were like, "You can't take an IV in the middle of an Ironman. That violates all our rules. Who knows what's in that?" And they, you know, on elliptical, you can't do that, even though it's our, it's it's the you know thirty seventh consecutive yep. Ironman race he's done in thirty seven days. They got a in pro- thirty seven states. So all of that began to kind of take away all of the. Um, uh, momentum and initiative and all the things he was trying to do. I won't spoil the story, but he didn't raise the money he had planned to raise. The controversy really, at you know, in some people's view and at various points, overshadowed what he the awareness he was trying to bring to the causes he was trying to to lift oh, that up. Sucks. Yeah. So what I just want to say when you do something that is not first. Fundraising. Mm. Now, I'm somebody. You and I both do our own versions of, of of endurances and challenges and races. And I I just completed one. And there were several people who were doing them for charities and for for causes. I just did it for me yeah. because I separate the crazy challenges I do and the races I do from this the, life. The donations I do. Yeah. And and so you want to be careful. Because one of the things that happens is the people who give to these kinds of things are more typically not donors. They're just riding the wave. They are friends and family. They got involved Mm -hmm. somehow. And so they make a gift that will be really tough to transition. The way it works is in a marathon or a 5K that you do or a golf tournament or a variety of things. So have on your radar that people who 
give to these kinds of things are more often they there there are acquisition prospects for another gift not donors yet and careful about how much time and energy and dollars you spend there because you could be sadly disappointed as chris said in the in the data uh, segment the roi might not be what you really think it is once you dial it down so nothing against iron cowboys an amazing accomplishment it made me sad that his fundraising goals, because those weren't getting reached, that overshadowed the incredible accomplishment of attempting that. And he's I got. Even, I can't even. Think he is. He or is considering fathom. something even crazier, uh, which I hope he just separates from fundraising and does it through no, commercial sponsors. So anyway, uh, have on your radar awareness and fundraising challenges and races and fundraising are not always the same thing. Wow. Okay. Not everybody will agree with that. Yeah, well, of course 80% not. of you won't agree yeah. with that. <laughs> 80% of our people. Mine is a, there was a study that uh, a group did about hit songs hmm. going all the way back from, I think, 1955 through 2018, 2019. And they found that through time, so across that spectrum, across that period of time, hit songs used harmonic surprise which you know breaking patterns and what you're expecting to hear and they found that more it's happening more often now because people have figured that out people are you know maybe more risque in music that they'll Mm. make yeah but that when you take what people expect to hear in chord progression or you I can't even get into the music of it, (laughs) but when you take what people expect from that and flip it on its head, but you do it well, so it doesn't become noise that gets people's attention and they connect with it and they get excited about it. And that applies to you, uh, listener or viewer in that you should be surprising in your fundraising. You you should break patterns. Uh, You should break your own patterns. You should break patterns of your attention competitors, but don't go looking to be surprising because if you go looking to be surprising people uh, that, or that's the equivalent of a musician just saying, well, I'm going to do everything different. Yeah. Look and, for the surprise. Here it comes. And then their corporate, all the music sounds like crap because they weren't trying to make good, interesting <laughs> music. They were trying to do everything different. Yeah. So write your fundraising, but every time you're reviewing or if you've got the time and the process and still a separate time to look at it and say, is there something different we can do here? Can we say this, but can we say it a different way? Or can we tell the, can we start with telling the end of the story first and then work our way back, but do the hard work, the consistent work first, then look for ways to spice it up and know you don't have to do it every time. And we have people who get caught up in the, well, I've got to do all of these tricks and strategies and every single thing. And not 80 or 20, 100% of the time, that's the wrong thing to do because it will not handle, not everything can fit. So be surprising, harmonic surprise, but in print. Or I don't know, I guess if you you do a podcast or something audio, you can use harmonic surprise literally. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That was not good. I thought it was great. It was a good I mean, surprise. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was very surprising. It was on brand for That's, this podcast. That is very true. Okay. very on so, brand. Let's see. All right. Well, that was episode 23. 
of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. And on our next episode, we're going to talk about ways to waterproof your mail so that it doesn't get soggy in the mailbox before it gets to donors. Or when people cry as they read it. it. (laughs) The tears tears. just drip (laughs) off and slide (laughs) off, and it's still perfectly preserved when they go to show their neighbor this awesome appeal you wrote them. I like that. So stay tuned for that next week. I'm Ryan Thomas. And I'm still Steve Thomas. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Tune back in next week for another fresh episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast.